0: You are listening to hashtag authentic. I'm Sarah Tasker, and this is episode 13. Hey guys, so first up I need to let you know that if you're listening to this, the week it goes live, so that's the week of 26th of April 2017, that I have a giveaway for you over on my site, so you can win a spot on my Instagram course, the Insta Retreat, and then also some follow up mentoring time as well, where we will talk on the phone and like thrash out any problems you've got. So to win all of that, you just need to go over to my site and tell me why you need my help. You can do that using the form on my blog, just go to meandorla.co.uk and click on the Instagram mentoring giveaway that you'll see at the top. I will also link to that post in today's show notes so you can find it via there as well. Okay, so on to today's conversation. I have been reading today's guest's blog for years, literally for years. She's been blogging for nearly a decade. Sarah Von Bargen writes at Yes and Yes, a one-woman lifestyle magazine disguised as a blog, as well as teaching online classes and travelling the world in her spare time. I found it really hard to choose just one topic to pick her brain about so today we're going to be talking about a couple of things. First up just really trying and not making excuses for hiding from the uncomfortable work that we might have to do in life or in our business and then some really amazing wisdom about money and spending for anyone who ever falls into that compulsive shopping trap.
1: Hi, Sarah. Hello also, Sarah. Excellent name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although you have the controversial lack of an H and I have the H. You have the H, which was a practical decision on behalf of your parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's the way that everybody expects it to be spelled. I'm sure that when you spell things, you have to be like, it's Sarah, no H.
0: Yeah, or I get called Sarah, a lot, or I get called Orla, but I just answer to them all.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So anybody who doesn't know you, can you give us a quick overview of what you do?
1: Yeah, my sort of go-to dinner party introduction is I tell people that I'm a writer and teacher um, who helps people live their lives on purpose. And then, if people are interested and they ask me a follow up question, I say oh, I do most of my writing and teaching um, over the internet through courses that help people find more money, more happiness in their life, develop better habits, make choices that they're proud of, and do the things that they say they want to do.
0: I love that you have such a smooth and streamlined pitch. I need to work on my one of
1: those. <laughs> oh, I assure you, that's like nine years in the making. <laughs> Sorry. There was lots of like doing that and then like trailing off sort of awkwardly and like drinking my drink and then avoiding eye contact. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know while well, they'd be like, "What? What? What's that? What's a blogger? How do you make money? What is this?" And they're
0: still asking those questions nine years later. So yes, we haven't come that far.
1: Yeah, that's why I switched to saying that I was a writer and teacher because I mean I am, and so are you. Like it's just that instead of teaching in traditional schoolrooms, we teach online, and instead of writing for instead of writing novels or writing newspaper articles, we. Write write. write online. And I also sometimes tell people that it's, it's sort of like being a magazine editor, you know, like I have contributors, I think about ad space, I think about, you know, what my readers like. And so when I explain it like that, that's a little bit easier for people to understand. And I've also found that, of course, like you, like maybe I'm not necessarily always in the mood to have like a 15 minute discussion about my business model. And if you say that you're a blogger, that immediately leads to like a very sweet and well intentioned, but very long and involved conversation. Yes and so sometimes if you say writer and teacher it doesn't go any further and if I really don't want to talk about it I'll say that I work in inbound marketing because nobody cares about <gasps> that does sound really dull <laughs> so boring and, and that's what I've started putting um also when I travel internationally because nobody's gonna stop somebody at a border who works in inbound marketing but if you say that if you're a blogger or a writer sometimes that especially in our current political atmosphere can get you you know pulled off to the side but inbound marketing nobody cares about because you go
0: on a lot of adventures Yes. Yeah not talking about little bits of domestic travel here and there
1: yeah these are lots of um, international trips and I'm frequently by myself where which sadly you know sort of raises red flags as well so I've had to start being a little bit strategic about the information that I share on my official documents
0: but I love that you use your job as a way to facilitate that lifestyle because I followed you for a long time and that's something that you have very consciously chosen isn't it
1: yeah Yeah, it was. And I think just like anything, just like any sort of habit, like the first time you do something, it's really scary. And then the more you do it, the easier it gets. It doesn't seem like a big deal. You know, you just figure out like, okay, do I need a visa? Do I need shots? You know, like how long is my, good, my visa good for? And I mean, now I've gotten to the point where I'm sort of like almost too laid back about it. And I'll like <laughs> show up in the country and be like, oh, like there's a festival happening and all the hotels are booked and I didn't even research it.
0: <laughs> just for a comparison point, I am going to Berlin in a couple of weeks. So that's in Germany and I have to fly. And I'm terrified and I'm convinced I'm going to die and I'm taking my husband and my child with
1: no! me. <laughs> oh, d- it's i pro- berlin is like in my top two favorite cities in the really? world so i'm oh. sure that you're gonna have a lovely lovely wonderful time so much good food so much to do the i mean truly the trains the public transportation is like some of the best i've ever seen tons of museums super affordable you
0: can give me some
1: tips you'll love it then. yeah it's so good so when
0: i was talking to you about what we would talk about on today's show i felt like the list was huge of all the options <laughs> that we could go through you <laughs> Uh, somebody I definitely go to for life advice. Uh, your blog thank I've been you. reading for years. Oh, thank you. Like a magazine, I suppose. I feel like you cover a really good breadth of topics for women who are navigating the modern world. So one of the things that I know you've written about before is really about trying, about putting the effort in if you wanna make whatever this thing you're trying to do is, be that your online
1: business, a creative venture. I think that a lot of us, especially women, but everyone, it is very, very, it's much easier to hide in the half-assed effort than it is to actually try. Because when you actually try, then you can actually fail. But if you engage in some very light self-sabotage, or if you you know, effectively convince yourself that these things that work for other people won't work for you, then you've never really thrown your hat in the ring so you can never really be disappointed that it didn't work out. And I mean, in, you know, full disclosure, like I only really started like actively trying in my business about two, two and a half years ago, which is crazy because I've been blogging for nine years and successfully self-employed for like six. So it is completely insane that for four of those years, I had very effectively convinced myself that like, I didn't need to use sales funnels. I didn't need to understand how to use Pinterest. I didn't need to ever do a webinar. Like I very successfully convinced myself of those things. I didn't need to understand my analytics or SEO. But the thing is like, if you have, created something that you know and believe can be extremely helpful to people like your Instagram course or like my money and happiness course. Like we know that those things work. We know that they can really help people change their relationship with money and happiness or, you know, grow their business through Instagram. If we know they work and we know they can really help people, we are doing a complete disservice to those people they can help by like sitting in the corner and being like, well, I made something. It's over there. Like it's... (laughs) And when I think about, you know, the authors and programs and movies and things that have changed my life and have drastically impacted me, like, where would I be if Cheryl Strade hadn't, like, gone after her book deal? Yes. Where would I be if Anne Lamott had not, like, promoted her book? Anything that has ever changed your life, that person had to, like stop being afraid of self promotion and they had to pitch the book agent they had to like write promotional tweets they had to like work with a pr agency and like do public speaking and talk themselves up and that that's like the reality of like getting your stuff out there and it, it sounds cheesy but like you have to be you have to believe in yourself and your stuff Enough to do that. And if your stuff isn't gonna change people's life, then maybe you need to like reassess the work that you're putting out there or why you're doing it.
0: Absolutely. That's always the bottom line, isn't it? If you don't feel it in your gut, then you're not Mm -hmm. gonna be able to convince anybody else that they should feel it either.
1: Yeah, and when you do feel it in your gut, it doesn't it's not like it's always gonna be so easy to self promote when you know that your stuff is good, but it's so much easier. Like I can tell you without blushing that my course, my money and happiness course changes people's lives. And I know that because once a week I get an email saying that. Like if you asked me about like Sarah, do you have an amazing body? I'd be like, "Oh my god, stop talking right now." But when there's something that like you know it works and you have absolute faith in it, like one would hope that we would all be able to overcome our insecurities because it's just a fact. Like if you wrote a course that helps people like they don't need their diabetes medication anymore or like I know you used to be a were you a speech therapist? Yeah. So like you knew that your methods worked. So it wouldn't be hard for you to like meet with a new family and say like, "Yes, you know, if we do these things, your child will be able to say they're ours. Absolutely. So like when you know the things work, it becomes a lot easier because it's just a fact that it works. You don't have to feel spammy or smarmy because it's just the truth. You're simply stating a fact that, yes, this works. And if you try it and buy it and do the things that you're supposed to do, you will see results.
0: Do you think it's harder? Do we struggle more as women?
1: Oh, well, definitely. Yeah, because I I mean, in America, and, I, and I'm sure over there and maybe even more over there, it's not consider particularly polite to talk about how awesome you are (laughs) or you're or you're expected to do it in like a charming self-deprecating way which I think I mean can be very effective but it can be exhausting like there are times where I will write a blog post and like I'll I'll need to think of like a self-deprecating anecdote to include to make myself seem relatable and, and I feel like I can't move forward with the blog post until I've like tucked something in there to like make people not be too intimidated do you know what I mean
0: yeah It is that intimidation thing, isn't it? We we feel like we're going to put people off if we, I don't know, if we believe in ourselves too much.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like, truly, a lot of the female writers, a lot of the writers that I like, you know, there's a healthy dose of self-deprecation in there, which I appreciate. Like, I don't want to read somebody who keeps talking about how they're flawless and perfect all the time. But that being said, like, you need to walk that line carefully because I don't want to take a class from you if you keep being, like, talking in present tense about something you struggle with while (laughs) allegedly teaching me how to do it. Because it sort of makes me feel like if you can't figure out how to break that bad habit, then why are you teaching me a course about habit development? You know, that kind of stuff.
0: This reminds me of back when I was in high school. We had like practice job interviews. Mm -hmm. And the question one of the teachers asked me was, why do you think you're the best person for the job? Which is a really standard job interview question. Yeah. And I answered,
1: oh, I don't know if I'm the best. (laughs) And I'm sure that there were a lot of other women who probably either said that or like had to stop themselves yeah. from saying that.
0: Because you're you're just conditioned but especially as a teenager self-conscious you're conditioned to never say you're the best and never make yourself mm-hmm. stand out and now mm-hmm. we're in the business of putting ourselves out there when we know that we've got something that does stand out. Yep. So what can people do if they're struggling with it?
1: Well I would say a, a really easy thing that I encourage people to start with especially if you're selling a product and you're struggling to self-promote it is gather <laughs> testimonials from people who have used your product so just start by reading all the testimonials of people giving you glowing reviews that will i think help you a lot with gathering some confidence i would also suggest talking to just talking if you have um, other business peers or creative peers or maybe like slightly further along in their marketing confidence journey (laughs) and ask them like is this something that you ever struggled with and how did you get over it because I think we all have that tipping point where we say like I didn't want to do x y or z or I thought x y or z didn't apply to me and then I tried it and I found out that it did and another thing that I would say and this is you know a very type a virgo thing for me to <laughs> say like go into your google analytics or whatever analytic tracking software you use and look at your numbers and then decide that you're gonna try just one thing that for some reason you had decided you weren't gonna do so like maybe really actually get serious about pinterest maybe really actually get serious about instagram maybe make some content upgrades just choose one thing and before you do that thing like note your numbers look at your conversion rate look at you know page views that kind of stuff try your one thing and then come back and look at the numbers again because I think it's much easier I mean for me it's a lot easier to find the confidence to continue doing something a little bit outside of my comfort zone if there are hard numbers to back up that it's working and I think it's important to like look at the numbers beforehand because it's really easy to like glance at them and be like okay it's around yes my balance rate is around 75%. Like just take a screenshot and then try the other stuff and come back. Because if you don't note it down, it's really hard to track the progress. But if you can see like truly, I took Sarah Morgan's Pinterest powerhouse class. I love her. Oh my God, her stuff is great. She's wonderful. That course is amazing. And it's like $150 or something like it is not expensive. And before I took her course, I was giving 7% of my traffic from Pinterest. And after I took her course and didn't even like implement all of it. (laughs) I'm getting 54% of my traffic from Pinterest. So seeing that, it makes me, it's very easy for me to come to the conclusion that like, hmm, maybe some other aspects of my business (laughs) that I thought didn't apply to me do. And I imagine that almost anybody would have a similar response. Like you think you don't want to do webinars, you do webinars and you like double your sales. Okay, well maybe that needs to be part of your marketing plan now.
0: Webinars is one I am resisting. Oh yeah, yes. They're really stressful. And they they look very stressful.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I've done them and I'm in the process of trying to figure out, like, okay, well, what can I do that's not live that I enjoy more? So, podcasting. For what it's worth, I've done them. Yes. Well, so I have, I would love to have a podcast. Right now, I'm in the process of um, creating another course, but I, I would love to podcast at some point. I think you'd be a natural.
0: Mm. Kind of going back to the reasons we tell ourselves not to try, because I'm thinking about the webinars and one of the things I sort of say to myself is, well, you know i'm not struggling for sales at the moment or maybe my people would find that a bit too salesy because we see them on facebook it's really easy to come up with excuses as to why we are maybe the exception to the rule yes in your experience are we the exception are there exceptions or is it always the same i'm sure that
1: somewhere there exists an exception to a rule <laughs> and i'm sure that there are definitely like business models that are less likely to lend themselves to things like if you make jewelry and every piece of jewelry is custom made you know a webinar probably isn't the right thing for you but for those of us who sell info products I mean obviously there are definitely different ways to sell info products you don't have to do webinars but I think it's always worth just trying it just try it and if it sucks you don't have to do it again Like, that's something that I always tell myself, like, you know, it's like rainy and dark outside and I'm supposed to go to some party and I'm kind of like, ugh, I don't want to go. I'm not going to know anybody there. Sarah Von Bargain, you can just go. And if you don't like it, you can come home. Like, just try, just do one webinar. And if you hate it and it doesn't work, you don't have to try it. You don't have to do it again. And and the thing that I think is like sort of a a barrier to some people is they think like, well, I don't want to try that thing unless I have purchased like the $500 Mm -hmm. e-course to teach me how to do the thing, which I understand that inclination. But, you know, people have been trying things and messing them up for a really long time (laughs) on the internet. So I would say, you know, put in two good faith days of Googling and reading and try it. You know, just try it. And if it doesn't work, you don't have to do it again. If you hate it, you don't have to do it again. But I mean, take it from somebody who spent six years not really trying in her business and has been amazed at what happens when you do. Like, be ye not so stupid as me actually try, do a tiny bit of research, (laughs) you'd be amazed what can happen. I think
0: that preparation thing, like that again is probably quite a female trait. Mm -hmm. We learn it at school, don't we? That you go and you do all your research first and you get everything perfect. And then you come up with this one piece of work. But in the real world, Like, there's not usually time to do that. And it can end up just being a way to procrastinate and avoid doing the thing that we know we need to do.
1: Yes. I think I read somewhere that a man will see a job posting, and if he is 60% qualified for it, he will apply for the job. And women have to be like 95% qualified to apply for a job. Yeah. If it says like needs six to 10 years of experience and they have like 5.5 years of experience, they're like, oh, no, but can't apply. Whereas men are like, I have three years. Okay, let's try. I can get the job. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I would say, just when in doubt, just try. And and I think this sounds so like Pollyanna-ish and cheesy, but trying things builds confidence and just like navigating new types of software, navigating new platforms. Like, yes, it is totally scary and stressful, but you're going to be so much less afraid of trying other new things in the future, and even just understanding like dashboards of different types of technology helps you across any professional field yeah even if you don't use that software again just understanding navigating different types of technology and different mindsets and different like ways to sell things it it benefits you pretty much everywhere
0: it's really transferable like Mm -hmm. i feel like there's so many skills that i was using in my old job that i still use now and on paper they wouldn't have
1: anything in common at all but like engaging people and communication and truly like i So I used to be an ESL teacher, and I have a master's degree in applied linguistics, which it seems like how could those things have anything to do with online courses or blogging? But like being able to lead a class in an engaging way, asking the right questions. Like I use all of my classroom teacher training in my course development all the time. Like I'm always saying on a slide, I'll be like, this corresponds to worksheet eight in the workbook when you write it in your workbook. It helps cement it in your mind. And At the end of every module, I ask them like, what did you learn from this module? What was your most important takeaway? And I'll even tell them like, when you reiterate what you learned in your own words you're more likely to retain it so I even like tell my students I'm being a teacher now and this is why I'm asking you to do this activity please do it
0: I'm the the kind of person that needs that I would really appreciate not only being told what to do but being told why
1: Mm -hmm. I think it really helps people I mean we discussed before we went on the air how we both really like the Gretchen Rubin yeah as happier and there's a and she talks a lot about the different personality types and one of them is a questioner which is people who need they need they need to be explained why they need to i do am things. a questioner yep. oh, yeah and so i always tell my students like okay i'm asking you to write this down because it's going to help cement it in your brain i'm going to ask you to very nerdily say this out loud because it helps build neural pathways i'm asking you to reiterate this in your own words because it will help you retain it i'm asking you to have this conversation with somebody because when you have the conversation you create accountability in the people in your lives and it's it sounds like I'm always worried when I say that that like oh this is so condescending but all my students are like thank you so much for telling me to do this and telling me why to do it because otherwise I would have just ignored you and like listened to the podcast version of your course
0: yep we're all (laughs) I'm very guilty of all of those things Mm -hmm. you have like some free courses on your site don't you you have the money boot camp tell me about that one
1: yes so the it's a free five-day boot camp called more money more happy um and it's like the very like light overarching version of my six week course, Put Your Money Where You're Happy is. And both of them are sort of built on the foundation that a lot of us have sort of screwed up complicated relationships with money and happiness. And I think at least in the US, but I would guess most places in the world, the sort of personal finance industry, I feel like they start in the wrong place. They talk about, you know, stop getting your $5 lattes, cut the cable snowball your debt, you know, buy an investment property. And none of those things are bad ideas at all. But you cannot snowball your debt if you spend all of your discretionary income on, you know, $17 dresses from Target, because you would rather go shopping than feel your feelings. Mm -hmm. And you cannot like buy investment properties if you don't have any money because you keep, you know, buying workout clothes and not working out. (laughs) So like, if you don't understand where your money is going and why you're making the financial choices you are, you're never going to be able to get to the point that you can do those other things. And I think the other thing that I have seen is that a lot of us, we think that we need to earn an insane amount of money to be happy. And or we believe that once we earn that amount of money, everything's going to be different. Yeah. Like we think like if we earn six figures, you know, like then I'll be fulfilled. Then I'll have confidence. Then I'll have a better relationship with, you know, my mother or my sister or my partner. When in reality, you're still you. You just are in a different tax bracket, like <laughs> wearing more expensive jeans. And so if you don't put in the time to do the inner work and figure out what makes you happy and figure out if your the purchases you're making are reflective of that happiness, it doesn't really matter how much you're earning.
0: I'm sure this is going to resonate for a lot of people. It's something I touched on just really briefly with a post I wrote on my blog recently, but that yeah, that thing that quite often when we are spending more money than we have on things, it is a symptom of something else, and also the amount of guilt that comes with that because it's not it never really feels like it's within your control mm-hmm. when you're doing those that sort of shopping. It is yeah, it's oh, almost yeah. like
1: self medicating, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's it's truly self medicating. In the money happiness bootcamp, we have a Facebook group that goes with it, and so probably like once or once a week or so, someone will who w- has completed the bootcamp will like. Leave a big message on the board talking about what they've accomplished and one of the women who went through this this is a free five-day boot camp went through the boot camp and realized that she was spending so much because she hated her job and then when she realized that she got training for a new type of licensure so she could apply for different sort of caliber of jobs and it was not long i think it was maybe like two months that over the course of this so in two months, she realized she was spending because she hated her job, trained for a new licensure, got a new job, quit the job that she hated, and got a $10,000 raise. Wow. <laughs> and probably stopped spending the money as well. Yeah. Oh, totally. And this is from like a five-day free boot camp. So I think that those sorts of epiphanies are surprisingly common. Like most of us, no one in your life is ever going to say to you, so like, what's up with all those, what's up with this closet full of clothes you yes. don't wear? Because it's not appropriate. Like, A, I don't like invite my friends up to my closet and be like, look, it's you." <laughs> too much like nobody does that Mm -mm. and it's not socially appropriate to call people out on their spending habits and we're yeah we're
0: all terrified of talking about money like the fear i felt before i pressed publish on that post was so real because It's not something I've ever put out there. And I've been vulnerable in so many other ways on my social media and on my blog. But yeah, to talk about money felt like a a whole new taboo. And I did get one bit of feedback from someone who was really like, you shouldn't talk about money. I don't think you should talk about money and success. I think, again, especially as women, it's something that there's a lot of shame around. And probably even worse over here, I would imagine, as Brits, we're pretty
1: good at shame. (laughs) And what's so funny is I know that to other Western cultures, most Western cultures think of Americans as being like incredibly open and not afraid to talk about money. But like, I have no idea how much money my friends make. Like I have friends where I'm like, I do not understand. Like I know what your job title is and I do not understand why you have a BMW or like, how did you just buy that house? And it is completely not appropriate to ask those questions. And it's very easy to feel bad about yourself because somebody who you, you know, based on your job titles, you're pretty sure they're in your same income bracket, but they're making choices that are totally not in your income bracket. It's really easy to feel bad about yourself. Like, clearly I'm making some mistake that they're not making. When in reality, it's entirely possible that they got an inheritance, their parents helped them out. Maybe You didn't know this, but they've been living with roommates for the last 10 years. Like, there are so many things that we don't talk about. And because we don't know those things, it's very easy to feel bad about ourselves when we see other people making different choices.
0: And making different choices is obviously a legitimate thing in itself. Like, for some people, travel is the thing to spend on, and other people, maybe they want property or. And then when we tie morality to it, the idea that being good with money makes you a good person, and being bad with money makes you. That was one of the comments on the blog, was someone talking about she was on benefits and she saw other people on the same benefits as her who never had any money and she she was careful with her money and she didn't understand what they were doing wrong and I wanted mm. to really nicely but say no no it's not that they're yeah. wrong it's yeah. not that they get up in the morning and think screw it I'm just gonna spend all my money and be miserable yeah. like yeah. if they could choose not to of course we would all choose not to.
1: Yeah oh absolutely and I think that something that I really struggled with and maybe because I know that we both come from like a do-goodery background like a professional. Mm traditional mm. do-gooders and then we moved to like less, like more normal careers and yeah. made more money in our normal career than our do goodery career. Yes, And that was very hard for me, especially because I still have a lot of friends who work in the nonprofit world and the ESL world. And so I felt incredibly guilty to make more money doing something that is less like intrinsically good. Worthy. Yes. Oh, yeah. I really, I really had to work through it and think a lot about it. And I also something that I sort of have to like remind my students of is that it, for 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 me, I think it's all about like figuring out what truly makes you happy and then only spending your money on that. And if what truly makes you happy is a BMW and Louboutins, that is fine. That doesn't make you intrinsically bad or worse. I don't think that you're a bad person because you want to drive a fancy car. This is, so like, I always sort of have to remind them, like, this is not a place for shame. Like, just because somebody gets manicures every week doesn't make you intrinsically better than them. Mm. And I even talked with a friend about who'd been raised by... I think both of her parents were social workers and like very, very hippie and like donated huge portions of their income uh, to charity. And she really loved um, European cars. She really wanted like a, a, a BMW, like a nice new like 2017 BMW. And like she had to work like just as hard mentally and emotionally to like make peace with the fact that the people in her life were going to judge her for having a BMW, as somebody else would have to work to like make peace with the fact that they wanted to drop out of their MBA and all of their like high achieving friends would judge.
0: Sure, I can, I can totally see that actually. And sort of similarly in my blog post, I was talking about ordering a really expensive room service breakfast in a stupidly expensive hotel. And I just didn't want to eat it because I felt so guilty, Mm -hmm. even though I could afford it, even though, you know, I needed breakfast and there was plenty of reasons that I'd done it. But that guilt, when you maybe Mm -hmm. have come from a position of not having, so much the guilt of spending your own money is a complicated thing
1: yep absolutely
0: so your free boot camp is kind of a kickstart to people who maybe want to start to get a handle on it
1: yes yeah so basically what we work through is figuring out what truly makes you happy which sounds like it would be easy but you'd be amazed how many people struggle with it because we've all myself included subconsciously absorbed these ideas about what happiness should look like and success i suppose As well. oh yes what success should look like what happiness should look like and I know for a lot of us, there are things that made us happy as children that for whatever reason, we've like convinced ourselves that. They don't make us happy anymore. Like maybe if we couldn't be like professional at it, then we stopped doing it. Or maybe somebody in our life, you know, sort of teased us for doing it. So we've just abandoned it. So sort of unpacking those ideas about what happiness should look like and getting back in touch with what actually makes us happy. So that's the first thing. And then the the big thing that we do. So everybody figure they make their happiness list. And then I have people print out um, one month of bank statements and one month of credit card statements. I feel a bit panicky just oh, hearing yeah. you say that. (laughs) What what I tell people is I say, like, get a glass of wine, clear off the table, order some pizza. Like, you want to make it as pleasant as possible. Yeah. Like, you don't want to do this when you're in the middle of a fight with your partner (laughs) on, like, a grubby table. But, like, as much as you can, make it a pleasant experience. And then you have three highlighters, a pink one, a yellow one, and a green one. And you go through every single thing that you've purchased for the last month and if it was a purchase that brought you joy or improved your life it's green if it's an unavoidable purchase like rent or insurance it's yellow And if it's a a regrettable purchase or a purchase that you're like, I don't even recognize this, what is this? Something that you've clearly forgot spending money on. Mm -hmm. So obviously like a stoplight. And then you add up each section. And just having hard numbers to put to that, like how much money did you spend on things that made you happy? How much did you spend on unavoidable stuff? And how much money do you regret spending? Just having hard numbers for that is frequently enough to sort of like jolt anybody out of their sort of financial happiness coma and sort of think about like, okay, well, maybe I need to make some changes. I had um, a student who was wasting $2,000 a month on her business expenses. I've had many students who... Came into the boot camp saying like, oh, I'm on a, I'm on a really tight budget. I'm really good with money. I'm I'm sure there's no way I can cut anything more from my budget. And then they did this and realized they were spending like 150 or 200 dollars a month that they didn't need to. And when you're on a tight budget, that's a lot of money. And I had um, a student who is a life coach who's like very self aware and really good at self care. And she realized that she had only spent $27 on herself in the last month. So she was the other way. Yeah. So there are also people who go the other way. There's also, I would say probably like 25% of my students fall under the umbrella of, I have plenty of money, but I can't spend it on myself. Like they have plenty of money, but anytime they have extra, they just put it in their retirement fund and then like keep buying the $3 lipstick. Like they just really, really, really struggle to spend money on themselves.
0: Yeah. I'm definitely not one of those people.
1: (laughs) A pretty small section but it is there.
0: No, I can I think I know one or two of those people but I can't ever get myself into that mindset. Yeah. So what is the healthy balance that we're working
1: towards? Well, the healthy balance is in a perfect world you would be able to look at your bank statements and your credit card statements at the end of the month, and everything that was on there was there on purpose. You know, like... Intentional. You went to the spa because you wanted to go to the spa and everything that you bought at the spa was what you wanted. You didn't get, like, pressured into buying the $27 shampoo that you don't you didn't like go to a restaurant that you didn't want to go to and spend $60 talking to a friend who like sucks you dry emotionally you didn't you know like end up eating takeout a million times because you didn't go grocery shopping if you ordered takeout is because you really wanted to order takeout and you were super excited about it it's so simple but it's so good it's it's totally it's like simple but it's not easy yeah you know what I mean like it's like every time I explain to people they're like oh my god you're right I never thought about it like that But but it's the like actually putting into practice and like making it part of your day to day life that's where you need an e-course for it because it's not it's the sort of thing where when somebody explains it you're like yes that makes sense but it's not necessarily the, something that we would like think of on our own if you know if that yeah, makes sense. and
0: I've definitely found in life there's a difference between kind of intellectually understanding a concept mm-hmm. and making it a reality in your day to day. They are not the same thing. Yep oh absolutely. I wish it's this was something I'd done like three or four years ago because I feel like back then I was definitely doing a lot of the medication Type spending, and to compare and contrast with having changed my job and changed my happiness levels, uh, how much less of that I'm doing now. Oh yeah,
1: it's it's really surprising how much can change when you like your job. Like you get you get better sleep, you don't fight with your partner as much, you're not self-medicating through shopping, food, TV, alcohol. Like it really changes everything. This is why I always come back to the
0: idea that business is therapy. Having your own
1: business, <laughs> mm-hmm. for me and for
0: so many people I've spoken to, as
1: like been a, a game changer, a life changer. I know, truly. Like, I've had to, as weird as this sounds, like, I've had to sort of like actively propagate hobbies because my job sort of <laughs> is my hobby. Yes. I'd be like, Sarah, close the computer, go do something that's interesting. Because left to my own devices, I'll be like, and then I'm going to update this post and I'm going to yeah. work on this slideshow and, ooh, I'm going to schedule things in Buffer. Like, what a nerd, <laughs> Sarah. Go do other things. I find I get to a
0: point where I have nothing to write about because all I have done is worked. Mm-hmm. And so, So all I can think about is work. So that's when I'm like, oh, it's time to leave the house. I see. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes. There's some famous quote about how you need to have a life worth writing about. Yes. Okay, Sarah, like go travel, go get out of the house, stop updating old posts. (laughs) I,
0: by the way, um, I'm in awe of your work ethic in general. Oh, so guys, so Sarah has her blog posts scheduled like sometimes months in advance. That's right, isn't it?
1: Yes, it's true. But I would say like to not give myself that much credit. <laughs> I mean, I do have things scheduled far in advance that I wrote myself, but the vast majority of things that I schedule in advance are the interviews or contributor posts. So don't don't be too impressed because a lot of it is, you know, stuff that I just had to like Either my VA or I, like, put it together. Well, I'm still impressed. I'm sorry. That's not persuaded <laughs> me otherwise. Sarah, where can people find you online? My website is yesandyes.org and I'm on all the social media. My handle is yesandyesblog and the bootcamp that I keep talking about is yesandyes.org bootcamp and it's totally free. You can sign up there.
0: And I will stick links to all of those things and everything else we've talked about in the show notes. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you. You are a superstar and I feel like I've learned a tonne just from talking to you today so i'm pretty sure everyone's gonna feel the same awesome awesome thank you so much for having me you can find the show notes for today's episode at meandolacouk forward slash podcast 13 and i'll also link to that giveaway i mentioned in there too and do feel free to come and let me and sarah know what you thought about the show over on twitter where i'm at me and and she is at yes and yes thank you so much for listening and have a great week